Chapter One of the Ghost Girl. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Fallis. The Ghost Girl by Henry Kitchell Webster. Chapter One What They Found in the Ice we didn't often talk about crimes in our family not at least about the mysterious inexplicable crimes of violence that trumpeted their horrors at you every little while from the front pages of the papers when you have been there yourself have seen names you know and love pilloried there you know altogether too well how it feels to take an idle curious interest when the thing happens to someone else but this present mystery proved an exception it seemed so completely detached from all human motive so devoid of the usual accessories of grief and agony and shame that we found ourselves discussing it that night without reservation jack and gwendolen his pretty young wife and madeline and i if we discussed it with a sort of exaggerated nonchalance which showed that really in the background of all our minds that other mystery still lurked and cast its shadow the murder of the man who had been madeline's husband and jack's father i doubt if any outsider would have been able to detect it but geoffrey wasn't an outsider and he has the most amazingly sensitive perceptions of any man i know that is perhaps the reason why he can paint the way he can can open up the innermost recesses of character in those beautiful terrible canvases of his we weren't expecting him didn't know indeed that he'd come back from his two months vacation and you might have expected that our surprise and pleasure at the sight of him and the warmth of our greetings would have veiled everything else we were all trying to shake hands with him at once and patting him on the back demanding to know when he returned and why he didn't tell us in advance so that we gave him no chance to answer or even to take off his overcoat but instead of even trying to answer he stepped back and stood looking at us from one face to another and puckered up his eyebrows in a puzzled frown what in the world he asked have all you people been talking about nobody answered for a minute there was something almost uncanny about it madeline gave a little shiver jack's wife stood looking at geoffrey with that level thoughtful look of hers and finally said i'm glad i haven't any secrets could you keep your own do you think as well as you can read other people's i don't know said geoffrey it would be an interesting experiment to try but what a perfectly detestable character you're giving me i own i deserve it walking into a room full of people and asking them what they've been talking about you know perfectly well said madeline that in this household there never could be a wish to keep anything from you you've earned many times over the right to ask us what we have been talking about but in this case it wasn't a secret at all we were talking about the girl they found in the ice last month geoffrey looked puzzled 
found in the ice he questioned who you don't mean to say you haven't heard of it i cried the country's been ringing with it yes but i haven't been in the country said geoffrey i only landed late this afternoon went straight over to the atlas got my first fresh-water bath in three weeks dined and came up here didn't even stop to read the evening papers you're looking pretty well i commented certainly a sight better than when you went away you had us all worried it was fearfully unmannerly of me said geoffrey to madeline to run off that way without a word but i suspect i did need a rest pretty badly i decided to go all in a minute the decorators were at work there in the studio and every time they pulled down a bit of loose plaster i went up in the air so at last i gave the key to my jap and fled sit down i commanded him and light a pipe and tell us all about it where you've been and what you've been doing geoffrey lighted a pipe obediently enough and settled down in the big chair which jack rolled round in front of the fire for him but then instead of beginning his odyssey as i had commanded him he smoked in silence for a minute then turned to gwendolen and asked what about the girl in the ice oh my adventures will keep he went on as i started to protest you will be hearing about them for the next six months a returned traveller's a nuisance anyway besides you've whetted my curiosity be a good chap and let mrs jack satisfy it it was natural that he should have turned to gwendolen for the story we all did that when we wanted the facts about anything her voice was so lovely in the first place that there was a sort of sensuous pleasure just in listening to her and then when gwendolen told it you knew it was so people have a way of talking about truth-telling as if it were simply a matter of good intentions you have told the truth unless you meant to be a liar and yet if you will stop to think you can probably call to mind half a dozen people who you know are honest and whom you wouldn't believe on oath and if you're a lawyer like me your difficulty will be the other way to think of half a dozen whose account of an occurrence you could believe absolutely and literally and without discounts or reservations well gwendolen would certainly head the list in my half-dozen i don't know where you were two months ago gwendolen began and you may not have heard that we had a week of the coldest weather they have known here since they began to keep the records the thermometer stayed below zero for six days most of the time it was a long way below it came very suddenly so that the river which had been entirely open froze within that week over eight inches deep and the ice people began cutting six weeks ago an ice cutter at silver springs discovered a body frozen in the ice it was a girl a young woman somewhere in her twenties even in the pictures they took of her she was very beautiful and what must she have been really well one can imagine it because you see the body wasn't changed at all it had frozen just exactly as it was probably within a few hours after it had been put in the water been put echoed geoffrey then she hadn't drowned herself no said gwendolen it was murder she had been shot through the heart 
still interrupted jeffrey why murder why not suicide with the revolver and a tumble into the river it was murder said i for gwendolen had hesitated over the horror of the thing no powder marks around the wound i suppose suggested jeffrey shot fired from a distance i nodded how was she dressed he concluded he turned to gwendolen with that question that's one of the weirdest things about it said gwendolen she was in evening dress dressed as if for a ball and her hair perfectly wonderful hair it must have been from the picture was done that way too and they haven't identified her questioned jeffrey if the body was literally in perfect preservation it was said gwendolen you could even see the pressure marks of the rings on her fingers they said that points to robbery doesn't it said jeffrey she'd have worn her rings to the ball she hadn't been at the ball said gwendolen at least she wasn't in ball dress when she was murdered there was no bullet hole in the bodice of her gown and no stain of blood on the white satin they dressed her that way after she was killed so you see it wasn't robbery i can't help thinking gwendolen concluded that the murder was committed by some insane person because it doesn't seem that anyone in his senses would have run that risk and taken that trouble to do what one would think must make the identification easier it is possible said jeffrey that if he'd read the weather report he wouldn't have done it the remark sounded perfectly flippant to me but i caught a sudden look of intelligence in gwendolen's eyes and saw that jeffrey had meant something by it in the same moment he saw the bewilderment in mine assuming he explained that the person was still sane he might almost safely have counted on the current carrying the body away altogether and it never being found and if he wanted to dispose of the dress at the same time perhaps that was as good a way to do it as any but he didn't count on the freeze that must have caused him some pretty bad nights i should think and days hardly better it's perfectly extraordinary when you come to think of it that she hasn't been identified you say the pictures were published in the papers everywhere i exclaimed the country's been ringing with it well said jeffrey in the tone of one who dismisses the subject that's very interesting wait a minute exclaimed jack i can show you the picture i cut it out of the paper and laid it away somewhere don't bother exclaimed jeffrey no bother at all jack already had his hand on the door to tell you the truth jeffrey admitted i don't believe i want to look at it let's talk about something else dead faces are beginning to get a little on my nerves oh it's nothing serious he went on seeing the look of surprise on our faces and no doubt it's silly of me to feel that way about it but well i mean it just the same i suppose said madeline that you're loaded up with commissions after your vacation you must have sitters three or four deep clamouring at your studio door i don't know said jeffrey i haven't seen my business man since i came back haven't even been to my studio but i hope to heaven he doesn't get me any more commissions like the last one 
You knew what that was, didn't you? He turned to me. The thing I was at work on when I bolted. I seem to remember, said I, that you were doing some work for Miss Meredith. The Miss Meredith? questioned Madeline. Geoffrey nodded. The same, the queer, rich, invisible Miss Meredith. We all exclaimed over his last word. Invisible? Then what were you painting? A spirit picture of her? The last question was Jack's. It seemed to affect Geoffrey a little unpleasantly, for he gave a little shake to his head, as one will when a fly is buzzing about one's ear. I wasn't doing a portrait of her, he explained. I was painting from a photograph, and a few relics and souvenirs, what was meant for a portrait of a niece of hers. I think it was a niece, who, I understand, died several years ago. I laughed. I knew some men did that sort of work. It's rather a new line for you, isn't it? Never before, said Geoffrey, and never again. Of course, they offered me a perfectly immoral price for it, but even at that I shouldn't have done it except for the fact that I found the photograph they showed me rather attractive. "'Beautiful, I suppose,' said Madeline. "'That shouldn't be wondered at. They say Miss Meredith was a great beauty in her day.' "'Yes,' said Geoffrey. "'It was extraordinarily beautiful.' "'That wasn't what you meant, though,' commented Gwendolen. "'No, it wasn't,' Geoffrey admitted. "'There was something about it that was queer i i don't believe i can explain it any better than that and that's not explaining it at all he fell into a little thoughtful silence and we all watched him curiously i'd felt all the evening and i found after he'd gone that the others shared the feeling a sense of difference in him he seemed well again but i felt perfectly sure that the thing he had recovered from cut a good deal deeper than a mere attack of nerves, and had a solider cause than the activities of the decorators who were pulling down loose plaster in his studio building. Whatever that cause was, he didn't mean to tell it. He brought back, with a little effort I would have sworn, his old smile, and took up the conversation again. The queerest thing about it is, he said, that Miss Meredith herself never came to see me, nor let me come to see her. I wasn't surprised when the arrangements for the portrait were made by a man who seemed to be a sort of confidential agent of hers, as well as her private physician, a rather charming chap named Crow. But when the arrangements were completed, and I expressed a wish to talk with Miss Meredith herself, as someone who had known the girl whose portrait I was to paint, and could supply me with some of those intimate little details, tricks of speech, habits of manner, and so on, that you have to know before you can paint a portrait. Crow seemed a little embarrassed, and said he was afraid it was impossible. Miss Meredith was in a rather disturbed, nervous state, and couldn't see anybody. If I'd ask him the questions, or better still, write them out, he'd undertake to get answers for me. I was in two minds about chucking up the whole thing, but it seemed Miss Meredith was very anxious that I paint the portrait, and then, well, I wanted to paint it myself. The same troubled, thoughtful look came back into his face with that last sentence. "'How did you come out with it?' I asked. 
i suppose under such a handicap it would be impossible really to satisfy her on the contrary said jeffrey she was greatly pleased with it she came to the studio to see it the day i went away surely you saw her then said jack jeffrey shook his head no said he they made a special arrangement to come and look at it while i was out as a matter of fact i haven't been back to the studio myself since she came and saw it crow called me up at my apartment that evening and congratulated me on having succeeded so well with it he fell silent again after that and said nothing at all for a long time at last with a little sigh and another shake of the head he rose to go i'm quite all right again he assured us you're not to worry about me for he saw plainly enough what we were thinking all i need is work and i imagine there's plenty of that stacked up ahead of me at the studio but after he had got into his overcoat and gloves he stood a moment looking at us thoughtfully hat in hand his other hand on the doorknob you people were faced once with an insoluble contradiction he said slowly a thing that must be true and yet couldn't be true well that's the sort of problem i've been gnawing away at for the last three months a perfect circle you follow it all the way around and bring up where you began i'm going to quit i'm going back to work good night and with a nod he was gone end of chapter one